Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. And it is a beautiful day, and uh, we love to see you out there. And I'd like to ask you to take a moment to fill in the Red Ritual of Friendship pad. We'd like to know you're here with us today. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And uh, as I look around for our mission moment uh, here, uh, I would like to give an introduction to uh, Richard Burke and uh, Tim Wallace, who are going to be sharing our uh, mission moment this morning. Hi, good morning. Uh, I'm Richard Burke. Some of you know me. Uh, but I also uh, want to introduce to you uh, Tim Wallace. Uh, Tim Wallace has uh, been uh, with the Big Brothers and Big Sisters for uh, three years, but uh, he's also been in a, uh, a private um, first class in the Point Magoo uh, Navy, where he is the uh, air traffic controller, an air traffic controller, for six years. Uh, this morning is about the mission moment about the big brothers and big sisters. I thought since I already spoke to the 8 and the uh, 9 o'clock service, I might like to hear from uh, Tim. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Very nice to meet you all. As the gentleman just said, my name is Tim Wallace. I've been doing work with the Big Brothers Big Sisters program for the past three years. And my experience has been overwhelming to say the least. I grew up, I, I lost my father when I was seven years old. And not having that positive male role model in my life affected me in a lot of ways. And growing up and overcoming all of the adversities I faced as a child, I felt that the best thing that I could do is to try to fill that role for people who presently don't have that in their lives. So right now I'm presently the big brother of two little boys, uh, little Jonathan and Alexis. And for the past three years we've made huge strides in education, personality, major benefits have been happening and a lot of coordination through the school and through the program has helped them out a lot and it's just been a, it's been healing for me um, being able to see the strides that they've made personally and it's it's been able to kind of it's kind of like looking at myself and the little boy inside of me and healing those wounds from the past so it's it's been really great really nice and anybody who is looking to do anything with that at all. Uh, I work with the Ventura County Big Brothers Big Sisters program. And it's, it's really Thank great. You, so if you want to read any more about the Big Brothers and Big Sisters, uh, in this month's covenant, there's a uh, uh, article that I, we wrote in here on the mission moment. Uh, but we serve about 1,500 kids in Ventura County. Uh, the need is great. There's about 6,000 kids uh, who uh, have uh, very much untapped potential because they don't have uh, one or oftentimes both parents in their lives. Um, if uh, a, a year commitment to being a big brother is, uh, is not for you, or maybe even being a big brother for three years to two isn't, um, there's many other ways to serve, including uh, this month we have the opportunity to support the big brothers and big sisters through a portion of the uh, contribution that you might be making by writing on their big brothers and big sisters. So we thank you very much, and uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can find me or get more information about us on our website. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, Tim, 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 I want you on my side if I get in a fight. Okay, all right, okay, my side, my side, okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh, stand together as we join our hymn of celebration, number 529, How Firm a Foundation.
As we come then to our time of prayer, may I invite you to turn in your hymn books to our prayer hymn number 469, Jesus is all the world to me.
Let us pray. Eternal God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, the foot to the throne of your grace, gathered together here today as your church, gathered together here today in friendship, fellowship, love, and joy, to lift up our voices in song, to focus our hearts in prayer, to hear from your word, to be with the people of God. What a great morning it is, O oh Lord, that we can do all of these things here today, gathered because of the special love that you have for us in Jesus Christ. A love that lifts us up in the midst of everything we face in life, because life isn't always the way we want it to be. And so, Lord, in the midst of our lives, in the midst of the last week that we have gone through, many times, difficult times, loved ones that we've lost, pressures we've been under, problems at work, difficulties in relationships, all of these things that every one of us faces, oh God, we ask that you will be with us as you give us the strength that in this coming week, we by faith can simply reach out to take the hand of Jesus Christ. And no matter how dark the night might be, we know that the light of him who guides our way will shine brightly. And that of all the things, O oh God, we might most pray, it truly must simply be, O oh God, help us to walk by faith as we reach out to take your hand and let you take us through the times. And so, Lord, we take these next moments in just but silence and in our own hearts, in our own ways, may we lift our prayers to you of things upon our hearts, perhaps just taking a moment to simply be at rest. But whatever it would be, O oh God, may these next few moments be a recognition that we're never alone because you are always with us. Thank you, O oh God, in the midst of a world of tumult, for a touch of eternity and peace. May that go with us the rest of this week. Through Jesus Christ, even he who taught us that we might pray, as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
now as our ushers come forward to wait upon us for our gifts, tithes, and offerings, may we make this our opportunity amongst all the things that God has so graciously given to us that we can give back to him. before thy altar we ask that you will bless these our gifts and that blessed here O God they might bless this world this community and your church through Jesus Christ Amen Listen and receive a reading from the word of God Create in us a clean heart O God Renew a right spirit within us May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. John chapter 4, 3 to 15, and 27 to 29. He left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. 
a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well? and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks as we gather together here this morning. We give you thanks for the reading of the word. We give you thanks for the blessing of your spirit upon that word. And pray now, even as the good rain falls upon good fields and digs these roots of seed that has been planted. May now this, the seed of the word of God, find a place in the soil of our souls to be planted and render unto us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God and in whose name we pray. Amen. This time I would like to direct your attention to the wall as we take a moment to watch a short video. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe but you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, 
you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional. But grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. I bet you liked that darkness, didn't you? I can see you now, so if you're falling asleep, I'll know who you are. <laughs> Today, we are beginning a six-week series on reasons and excuses people give not to go to church. The video clip we watched was a fun and yet truthful look at some of the excuses people give to not come to church. Each week, we're going to look at some of the excuses. We're going to um, take a time that uh, if you perhaps have known other people that you invited and given some of those excuses, now maybe you have some responses, or maybe you have asked some of those questions yourself. In any case, we hope that this look into the church and what sometimes keeps people away from the church will give all of us a better understanding about our own faith, our own church, and our God. Times have changed. Back in the early 1900s, the majority of people in Western world countries went to church. Sunday morning would arrive. Sunday morning clothes would go on. Everybody would trot off to church. Now, this sermon makes several assertions. First, these messages are predominantly relevant in first world countries. For some African and South American countries, the series might rather be called 10 Reasons Why People Are Flocking to Churches. Second, while obviously a good number of people still go to church, the numbers continue to decline in the United States, Australia, and many European countries. In fact, most Western European countries today have about a 5% average attendance in churches per population on any Sunday. Let me also make a couple of definitions. First, let me define the word church. The word church is used three times in the Greek New Testament. It is the word ecclesia from which we get our very fancy sounding word that we know as ecclesiastical or things pertaining to the church. However, in the New Testament, the word never meant a building it always meant the followers of Jesus. When I refer to why people don't go to church, I think most people would think of why people don't enter a church building. But I'm thinking of much more than that. I am talking about people who don't enter into a relationship with God. <clears throat> what correct view of what the church is, what the proper perspective we take of it, is something that we are going to be discovering through this sermon series. One further point is that I think that the church is important. I believe that this is the primary vehicle for God transforming the world through God's people. God chooses us to partner with him in a life-transforming mission. 
Believers gather regularly in a group to be empowered by God's Spirit, to be guided by the blessings of the fellowship, and to have deeper understanding through the exposition of the Word. That being said, let's look at some of the reasons why fewer people are attending church. It is interesting that I often have people whom I invite to church who will often tell me, oh, I don't believe in organized religion. To which I always tell them, you call this organized? <laughs> if you only knew how disorganized we were, you would never say such a silly statement. There was a recent Australian survey done on the reasons why people don't go to church. And I'm sure that the folks down under are pretty much like the people. What are we? Top over? What are we? They're down under. We're easy over. Sunny side, <laughs> sunny side over. What are we anyway? Americans. <laughs> but... The survey said that 24% of Australians said they didn't like the way churches are organized. I thought about that. Does that mean they would come into the church office, take all the files out, and start throwing them all around? Does that mean they'd come up to the altar, take the money, and start throwing it at people? Does that, what do you mean that they don't think that, that they think the church is too organized? Well, I'm thinking what they're talking about is it's not so much that organizations need organization because organizations need organization. I don't think that's why the people don't go to church. I think the organized part of religion that they're talking about is more related to the sense of the holy. And this comes when we take uh, understanding of what we believe is the essence of what the church is all about. Now, let me explain it this way. If you take the experience of Christ in the first century, all the organizations you need was one guy with 12 people following him. Pretty simple. As they went out, now you had dozens of people and hundreds of people, and then there were thousands of people, and then there were millions of people. You have to organize that some way. But there was something that happened in that that took the essence of who Jesus was and made it something entirely different. Now, I place a candle here, and I want that candle to represent the light of Christ. This was that which the first disciples saw. This is that which they followed. This was this light that going into the darkness led them into a new place in their lives and an understanding about who they were. As more people followed that, as the church began to go from the gathering of the followers of Christ into buildings, we started to say, how do we protect the light? How do we keep the light still shining? How do we keep the essence of who Christ was who Christ was. And so the church had some good ideas. So they said they would do certain things. We would, we would take things like our creeds and we would put our creeds up here and the things that we believed would help us to understand who Christ was. And then we took the things that were a part of our existence, the methods, we have our book of discipline. And we put our, our discipline over here so we could protect that light of Christ. And then we took other things, all good things, like our traditions. And we put our traditions out. And we put those there so that we could protect the light of Christ. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all the things we were using to protect the light hid the light. I think that's what people are talking about when they say they don't believe in organized religion because we so organize everything 
that the light no longer shines. We, we have all the things that now we worship. But we don't worship the light of Christ as it was. And so I think what people are asking is how do you take away all of these things that were good in their own ways and get back to the light that shines with who Christ is in our lives. And so our question today is, the thing I want to look at is the first question on our video presentation was, a people who say, I don't think I can be a part of the church because I don't have my life all together. I don't have my act so put together that I can match all of the expectations that are focused when I come into a church. Now, some churches are quite focused on telling their congregations what they're doing wrong, and they tell them what they're doing wrong all of the time. I have been in conservative churches, and I have been in liberal churches, and I have been told in each church what I was told that I could believe and I shouldn't believe in this way or not that way, and if I didn't believe their way, I was not believing rightly, and I didn't like it. Again, it is not as if there are no truths, but is the purpose of the church simply to tell people how they're to act and what they're to think, rather than to provide a place and an environment and an atmosphere in which they can follow Jesus Christ by the heart that God has given them to follow the light. I know churches where if you would join them in membership, you have to pass a series of questions on your behavior and sign a covenant of things that you will not do. And so many people think Christians are simply people who don't go to movies, don't smoke, who dance, who don't chew, or go with girls who do. <laughs> or any number of other don't do things rather than having a faith of being free to have a relationship with God. Now let me tell you a story. This is a true story. I officiated the funeral for what I felt was one of the greatest movie dancers of all time, Sid Charisse, several years ago. I said at her funeral, she had the best looking legs I've ever seen on the screen. As I talked to her family, I discovered that she was born into a Baptist family. At a young age, she developed polio. And to strengthen her one leg that had developed the polio and to work toward healing, she began to dance. But when the elders at her Baptist church found out that she was dancing, they told her that she was sinning. And they forbade her to dance. So the whole family became Presbyterians. <laughs> True story. True story. Now the issue is that their church was so blinded to what they thought dancing was that they could see no good to any dancing. And that's the problem with many people and how they see the church. The very first sermon I preached at this church, I said to you that there would never be a Sunday that you would come into this congregation and hear a sermon from me in which you would feel nothing except the loving embrace of God. That you would not come in here and you would not see me up here at the pulpit glowering at you. That you would not see me shaking my finger at you, cussing you out for all the things that you weren't doing right. And I hope after 13 years, I have kept my word to you. I believe that God doesn't call us to follow just a bunch of regulations and rules that covers up the light of Christ. I believe that God calls us to a relationship with Jesus Christ in which we find the path that God sets before us. But I ask you, as people have told me, 
I don't go to church because I don't have my act together. I say to them, if you were sick, would you wait until you're well before you saw your doctor? <laughs> my friend, if you wait or anybody else waits to come into a church until they're 100% fit to do so, every one of you should not be here today because every one of us has a way to go in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. No one will have it all together for the simple reason that there is no one here together enough that you can say you have reached the pinnacle in which you can make judgments on everyone else. In life, there are lots of questions, but I have lived long enough to see in people who think they have an answer for every question that everybody else has, that we won't live long enough to have a question for everybody else because we can barely answer our own questions. You know, sometimes as Christians, we need to just shut up and listen to people's questions without asking any questions or trying to give any answers, but just listen to their story because they're stories that need to be told. And so we come to our scripture today from John, in which Jesus has an encounter with a woman in Samaria at the well of Sychar. Now, I have been twice to this very well. People ask, how do you know this is the well of Jesus? It's the only well that's been there for 2,000 years in any part of the area. I have sat at that very well. I have dropped a bucket down a very deep well and brought water back up to the very place where Jesus had this encounter with the woman of Sychar. This was a forbidden place for Jews. You see, it was here, Samaria, which is halfway between the north and the south of Israel, that was called the Samaritan land. You see, Samaritans were those who were half Jews considered by the real Jews, for you see, they intermarried with the invading uh, Babylonians during the Babylonian captivity. And by giving up and becoming half-blood to the Babylonians, were considered not a Jew. And so now we find Jesus in the middle of a place where he shouldn't have been, at a well with an uncompanied woman, which was really bad, with a woman who was a known sinner. All the complete wrong things. Jesus at the wrong place with the wrong person at the wrong time. And yet Jesus says to her, as she sits by the well, drawing her water. Everyone who drinks of this water, of this well, is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water of eternal life will never thirst again. And the woman says, then Jesus, give me of this water. Now there's a portion of the scripture that was not read today because it was a long enough scripture as well. But in that portion of the scripture, Jesus tells this woman everything she's ever done wrong in her life. It's not a pretty picture. But the woman confronted with that understands that Jesus knew who she is, that she is not perfect, that she doesn't have it all together, and yet he tells her, you have a place to drink of living water. And as the disciples come back, they see the woman leaving, and they ask, what are you doing with this woman? She goes back to the town and she tells them, I have seen a man who told me everything I ever did. Cannot this be the Christ of God? You see, the Samaritan woman didn't have to have it all together to follow Christ, and I don't, and you don't. What we have to do is to come to the Christ who has it all together and find our lives 
in his mercy and forgiveness to be able to walk by faith. Several years ago, I received the following note about a sermon I gave called Five Steps to Salvation. And the note read, Dear Gary, your sermon is the kind that my husband and I need to hear because it reinforces the feelings that we know we should be feeling, but sometimes backslide. Did you know that you have a couple of backsliders in your church? Now you do. They didn't really have to tell me. <laughs> if we didn't come to church every single Sunday, we would be in serious trouble. We take things for granted. Sometimes we take Jesus for granted. I appreciated that note because it was so honest. It got to the very basic issue, the fact that we don't have it all together, but that's exactly why we're here. I believe that God recognizes that churches are not for people who have it all together because the church is a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. Don't worry about having your act together. The Samaritan woman didn't, and yet Jesus welcomed her to the table and the gift of everlasting water of life. Don't miss out on the fullness of Jesus by worrying that you aren't what you should be. None of us are. Just allow yourself to feel his incredible love and forgiveness, and you will know that God has it so together that he will help each one of us put our lives better together. So is our faith a religion or is it a relationship? If it's religion, then I have a lot of stuff for you. <laughs> but if it is relationship, I can tell you today that God loves you, that God knows who you are, that God forgives you anyway. And God says, simply follow me and be a part of the church. Let's pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks because you love us so much that you've called us in faith we don't have to be good enough. We don't have to somehow be righteous enough. We don't have to be able to pay enough because you've already paid the price at Calvary's cross. Jesus was the one righteous enough. He was the one good enough. You have said, O oh Lord, simply accept my forgiveness and follow you, and I will make you to be what you should be. And so, O oh God, today, that's where we are. None of us are where we should be. But I thank you that none of us are where we used to be and that you're going to take us further into what we can be. And this I pray through him who transforms all things from old into new, even today, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May I invite you to stand as we join together in our hymn of dedication, number 170.
invite you to take a moment to reach out and take the hand of someone near you. And as we join hand in hand together to truly remember today that that's why we're the church. A relationship with Jesus Christ becomes a relationship with one another and a relationship with the world. And every one of you has something to give and something to receive. And that you might always remember that when you love another person, you will always see the face of God. And now, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and keep us. And send us forth with this wonderful relationship that we hold with each other and with you, that we truly might be living disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. <laughs>